Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. edition of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday Labor Day, September the 4th. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva, and you can check me out all the time at Mike Silva Media on Twitter. You can check out the show at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet all the time, anytime, and the show is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Happy Labor Day. Hope everyone's doing uh, really well. And in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to have Joe Trezza from MLB.com join me. And we're going to get and talk about Matt Harvey. Uh, And that's really the big topic right now. Matt Harvey, after his uh, disaster, is disappointing and another disappointing, really, performance on Saturday in Houston. I originally had planned to do a QA and a podcast, and I'm still going to do that. But I'm going to push that into later in the week, to the weekend, perhaps. Maybe ask uh, Joe D over at Metsmerized Online 
com to open that thread up and throw some more stuff in there. Uh, I'm not really sure what day. I'll think about it. Uh, you know, I'll give you an update before the show is out. I'm leaning towards pushing that, and I'm going to split the podcast up. We're really going to focus just on Harvey, and I'm going to ask Joe a couple other questions uh, as we head into September about developmentally where the Mets are going to go. And that's really a theme. I mean, look, we're, we're not trying to punt the rest of the season. I'm trying to give you good content. It's going to be tough, as you as you will know because it's a little bit of a Groundhog Day scenario as the Mets play out the string, but we don't want to play out the string here. So Joe Trezza, MLB.com, will join me in a couple of minutes. And look, I mean, the theme is going to be Matt Harvey, and you guys, if you didn't see the performance in Houston, you read about it, you saw the numbers, whether it be on your MLB app or baseball reference or whatever, whatever you use to check and get yourself updated about the Mets. And what you saw on Saturday is not a major league pitcher. Matt Harvey has uh, bad body language. You heard about that during his rehab starts. He, he doesn't have the same fastball. We knew that. He can't command his pitches. He's virtually batting practice. And I tweeted about this earlier in the week. At this point, ask me now who's going to be in the rotation, who's a better option for 2018, Matt Harvey or Rafael Montero. It's Rafael Montero. At least Montero will give you an league average to slightly above league average performance, at least recently, since June. He's going to have stinkers, and every pitcher does, and he's going to probably walk more hitters than you like, and he's probably going to go deeper into counts than you like, but he wouldn't be the first guy to do that. A guy named Al Leiter used to do that a lot, especially later in his career. So maybe Montero's turning the corner, and look, maybe the Mets fans, I certainly think they have to, and I think they really have probably, have to get over this idea that there's going to be a number one at every position, one to five in the rotation. You have DeGrom, you have Syndergaard. I, I expect Syndergaard. I know that that's not a, a light injury he's coming back from, but I don't think it's as disastrous as what Harvey has gone through the last couple of years with the shoulder and what have you. You have a pretty good anchor one and two. At least there's a reason for Matt's decline uh, from a medical standpoint, although him staying healthy has always been the question, and he hasn't proven that yet. So that's something that certainly has to be looked at. So you can't really pencil them in for number three. But if you go out and you start looking at some value veterans, and I know Bartolo Colon's name keeps coming up because he's, gonna, he's, he's done fairly decent for the Minnesota Twins in the American League. His numbers have regained, I guess, the same level that you saw him his few years in New York. Uh, maybe he's an option. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows if Ari Dickey becomes available? I have a feeling the Braves are going to probably tender him. But you need a veteran who could, who could lead the staff in terms of innings, maybe be a calming influence. I think that's something that Cologne did over the last couple of years, and I think the Mets missed that, and I think it would at least, not from an ace standpoint or from a, a guaranteed seven innings, two runs every every five days, but I think it would help pivot some of the young players around that person so that, you know, hey, I'm going to get innings, I'm going to get a quality start. Quality start is six innings, three runs. If you're a competent offensive team with a decent enough bullpen, and I know the Mets are trying to build – the bullpen up, and I, and I think they could re get the offense back to where it needs to be. They they seem to have that figured out over the last couple of years. Um, you know, you have yourself, I'm not saying a prohibitive favorite in the National League. I think that that's foolish to think that they could get back to that over the winter, but you have a team that's in the mix, and once you're in the mix and you get into the playoffs as a wild card, anything could happen. I mean, nobody thought the Mets were going to go to the World Series in 2015. They got in. They got hot, and, and I really, you know, I think in a few weeks when the playoffs start, you'll see that. But right now, Matt Harvey is not a major league pitcher, and I don't know if he's ever going to be a major league pitcher again. Uh, the question about whether he should be tendered a contract, I think that will happen. 
because, I mean, look at how many chances the organization has given Rafael Montero. I don't think they're just going to give up on Matt Harvey, even though it would make financial sense to non-tender him, try to re-sign him at a lower rate. But once he's a free agent and you're Matt Harvey, do you come back here to try to reinvent yourself or try to get back on track? It almost seems like he's always going to be the dark knight here. He's never going to lose that. And, and really, if you look at this in a vacuum, if you want to take any of your fandom and your nostalgia, if it's there away, and I don't know how much of it was there for Matt Harvey. I think the fans always had an arm's length relationship because Matt reminded them more of the page six celebrity types that you identify more with the Yankees and maybe the, the Yankees, not of this current group, but the group, the, the core five group that recently disbanded and moved on to the next phase of their lives. Um, and they never really felt Matt Harvey loved them. I mean, I think they felt Matt Harvey was using them to get a brand, to get to the next level, to get to his free agency. And maybe that's part of where that nostalgia isn't there. But if you want to put that aside, if you really want to be honest, probably the best thing for Matt Harvey is to move away from the New York Mets and start over somewhere else where he could just be Matt Harvey. Maybe Matt Harvey who's now a back end of the rotation pitcher or number three or what have you. You hear the comments, and I'll, and I'll play them during the break that he, he had for the media after the, after the start. He seems to feel he's going to get back, but Matt Harvey just talking to himself and, and maybe lying to himself I think is – is probably from a standpoint of where we're at now, one of the sadder things out there. Because, I mean, what are you going to say? I stink? I'm going to give up? No, but realistically, we've been hearing how great he feels, how it's mechanical, how he's just close to being where he needs to be. And honestly, I just don't see it. I mean, at this point, if, if, if I'm the Mets, hey, call me when you're ready. That's the pitching coach's job to help him. I don't know if – and you guys know where I stand. I don't know if Wharton really is qualified to do that. So – uh, I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's shown he could do it with any of these guys. And um, it'd be really nice if the Mets do intend on getting these guys back to where they should be or maybe could be. Uh, I think they have a pitching coach down in AAA. I've said this a thousand times that could probably do a better job or at least go out there in the market and see what's available. You know, Who knows what top pitching coach on the market may become available for the right price and, and want to come here and work with what really still is a talented group. So anyway, let's take a quick break. When I return, Joe Trezza, MLB.com, will join me. Is Matt Harvey done? Uh, has he seen anything out of some of these young players that we've almost had a whole full month of watching? Who can manage the Mets going forward? What is he looking for in September? It's now September, our first show here in September. You know, maybe Thomas Niddle gets brought up. You know, I don't think the Mets – I think what you see is what you get now with the Callahans and the Roms and guys like that. And, um, you know, what else could uh, we look for in September if you're following the Mets? What do you, what do you feel is what, – what is realistic to walk away from the 2017 season? Let's see what Joe has to say. We'll take a quick break. Of course, you're listening to the Talking Mets podcast. You can check it out all the time at MetsMorizedOnline.com. Send me, Mike Silva, tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. We'll be back with Joe Trezza of MLB.com right after this. You make of well, I think there's, um, you know, others than what happened. Obviously, there's uh, there's some bad habits mechanically that I've um, continuously brought into outings. You know, obviously going, it's frustrating because going through, um, you know, the rehab process and, and coming back from multiple injuries, um, you feel like you can do all the work you can in between starts and go out there and throw really good bullpens and uh, hit your spots and have good mechanics, throw everything right, and then you get in the line of fire, you get out there and get into a game, you get your adrenaline going, and uh, the bad habits start creeping back in, which is 
much what happened today, but, um, you know, I, I went back, I looked at some video, I looked at, you know, today's start, pretty much every, every pitch I threw, and, um, you know, I think I found what the bad habit is, and finally kind of realized what that is, and, and that's the positive that I take out of, out of that, and, uh, other than being healthy and, and ready for my next start, and, um, you know, doing what I can in between starts. from MLB.com. You can check him out on Twitter at Joe Trez, Joe Trezor. It's been a while since we've had him on the program and uh, figured to get him on and talk a little bit about the weekend in Houston, the lost weekend in Houston for the Mets. And Matt Harvey, that's the big topic. And Joe, welcome to the program. Uh, how's everything going? How you doing? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me back. I'm uh, glad to be back. Matt Harvey, um, it's an interesting ride. Just two years ago, the controversy right after Labor Day was shutting him down, in innings limits, and whether he could participate in the postseason. And we all know that he went on to participate in the postseason and what happened in Game 5 and at City Field against Kansas City. And then he has 2016 in Thoracic Outlet. Uh, and everybody, I guess, thought that, similar to how he came back from Tommy John, almost like a superhero, that he'd come back from this, and, and now he's had what they claim to be a scapular injury. I'm not sure. It, it's been very vague, the second injury that he's come back from since the, to, uh, the thoracic outlet. And now you have this version of Matt Harvey, which not only is his velocity diminished, he has no command, uh, he has no confidence. Uh, there's a lot of things there other than just health. It, it's, it's a very deep drop. And I got to tell you, Joe, the guy you saw on Saturday in the first game of the doubleheader, that's not a major league pitcher. And I, I know he's confident. I know he talked uh, how confident he is. But, um, you know, to me, that's not a major league pitcher that we watched on Saturday afternoon. Um, I, I, I think that when you bring up confidence, that's kind of a big thing when you're talking about Matt Harvey. And um, it's something that kind of gets overlooked sometimes because we can't quantify it and we can't you know see it but at the same time when it's gone it's very palpable and I think it's telling that um, Matt Harvey was so adamant that he was confident and that he made it that he did have that inside of him and he made it wanted to make it very clear to people that he did Um, when you put that much effort into telling people that you do it kind of sounds like you don't Um, you know it kind of seems like he had to try to convince people of that and um just by watching him pitch, it, he definitely doesn't have that same tenacity, uh, you know, and that same attitude and, and that same fluidity in uh, his and, and confidence in his ability. Just from a physical perspective, you could see it. I mean, he's passive on the mound. He doesn't have any command of any of his pitches. You could tell that he's thinking so much about what he's supposed to do with his mechanics and what he's supposed to do with his arm slot and where everything is supposed to be, that he's almost like, walking on eggshells or like tippy-toeing on ice out there, right? Try, trying to make sure everything is perfect. And when you do that on the mound, what, what ends up happening is the exact opposite. You know, your pitches are the, op, the as far from perfect as they can be. And you make bad pitches, and then you don't have the stuff to kind of 
get away with making bad pitches anymore, so the whole thing kind of snowballs on you. And I think that's what we're seeing from Matt Harvey right now. Um, there's this really telling stat that we have at MLB.com using StatCast where we, we break down uh, pitches in each you know particular zone, and we can see how hitters are, are hitting those types of pitches. Um, fastballs in the upper third of the strike zone, hitters are slugging over 900 against Matt Harvey when he throws those pitches this year. It's the third highest mark in the major leagues. So what's a big problem with Matt Harvey? A lot of pitches up. He doesn't have the velocity to really pitch there anymore unless he's very precise, and he hasn't been very precise, so he gets hit very hard. And I think you saw that on um, Saturday in Houston. That's what you saw a lot there. I couldn't uh, uh, agree more. And look, it's the old adage. I've had Rick Peterson on the show. You probably heard him say it a billion times. If you pitch just below the knees and down, uh, I mean, the batter hits what, about 190? And then as as you get further up in the strike zone, if you don't have the velocity, they're going to time it, they're going to hit it. The question that you have to ask is, okay, is the command, the confidence thing, is it from the thoracic outlet? Here's the other thing. Tommy John was one thing. He came back, his velocity was there. This injury, there's not as much precedent of somebody coming back and being the same pitcher, certainly not at the same velocity. Can he pitch at 90, 91, 92? Look, we saw Pedro Martinez do it, but Pedro Martinez changed speeds between 10 and 12, maybe 15 miles an hour. He was a very smart pitcher. Maybe Matt Harvey all along was a guy that could muscle through things, really, as you said, wasn't precise. Uh, and now he can't muscle through anything, and, and his whole world is, is upside down. If that's the case, I mean, how do you change that? I don't know if you can change that. I certainly don't know if the Mets coaching staff, namely Dan Worthen, or anybody could help him on that. And even if they could, I don't know if they have the right guys in place that could help them. They don't have the best uh, pitching coach in baseball, let's, let's put it that way. It, even though I don't know if that really matters at this point. Well, if he's going to, you know, if he's going to pick with, that much of diminished velocity, he has to completely reinvent himself and reinvent his arsenal, right? So you don't see a lot of fastball slider guys living at 92, um, which is what Matt Harvey was, really, when even when he was at his peak. He was mostly fastball slider. I mean, he's going to change every now and then, but it wasn't a plus pitch. Those non-plus pitches are still non-plus pitches for him. So it's not like he can just go into the, you know, into the bookie jar, pull out his changeup, and throw that 40 times a day and become a changeup sinker ground ball guy. You know, he has to completely reinvent himself if he's at this level with this type of velocity. And if he's going to do it, he's either going to have to come up with a few better secondary pitches or he's going to have to really improve that command. And um, command is probably the hardest thing to to teach and to learn if you're a pitcher, and especially at the major league level, it's, you know, very rarely, um, very rarely accomplished. So, um, I, first of all, I think he needs to get some of that confidence back, and then I think you'll start to see the stuff come back a little bit as much as it can, because a lot of this stuff is really, is really contingent on how someone feels, and then and you throw one good pitch and it becomes two good pitches and three good pitches, and you get kind of on a roll. Um, but with Harvey, it seems like he's the kind of guy who throws a few bad ones, and then he kind of spirals out that way in the opposite direction. So. Um, uh, I'm interested to see how he responds when he does have some success again, and he will have some success again. Probably in Houston against the Astros last weekend probably wasn't the best uh, environment for him to find that success. You know, it's kind of a perfect storm for him to blow up the way he did. Um, and no pun intended there. That was not, not my intention. Um, right. No, I, I but, understand. Yeah. 
that was the that was a total accident. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just what really really wasn't the best environment for him to go in and succeed, right? It was kind of their weekend down there, you know. It was kind of everything was kind of going. It was just kind of set up for them to rally and to kind of put that city on their back a little bit. And plus, they're a very good offensive team, um, and they hit fastballs, especially slow fastballs, very well. So um, just just not the best really situation for him but maybe in a getaway day against the Phillies one day you know at home or whatever it is he finds some success gets rolling a little bit I'd like to see how he responds to that absolutely Joe Trezza with me MLB.com at Joe Trez on Twitter Uh, I tweeted this out and I know this sounds crazy but at this point going into 2018 if you had to put money down I mean is Rafael Montero think about this from two months ago a guy who who and not too long ago had a 40 pitch inning against against the Rangers had a horrible inning against San Diego. He's at right now a better rotation option in the back end of the rotation than Matt Harvey. Right now you you're not talking about Matt Harvey one two three. You're talking about can he round out B four five? Montero's a better option. If Seth Lugo is healthy, he's probably a better option. Um, it's crazy to think about that. And and here's where you are on Labor Day 2017. And you have to think that way. And then the second part of that, Joe, is you have a lot of decisions to make in terms of you know this roster and the reboot. And you assume that they want to compete next year. I don't think they're going to just blow it up and rebuild. Compete, try to make a playoff spot, try to compete and win and, and get in. And uh, part of that is payroll and budget. And Matt Harvey's due to make some money. There's been some talk about the fans, and I don't think the Mets would do this, but – if it doesn't get better or it shows that he's really lost, do you non-tender him and then try to re-sign him to a reasonable deal? Then you throw him out there for anybody to take. And if I'm Matt Harvey, do I really want to come back here and reinvent myself? Because I'm always going to be the dark knight here. A lot of interesting twists that come into play because of what's going on right now. Yeah, I don't think they're that they're going to go that far with it, to be honest with you. Um, I do think that they're going to look on paper and say, we have – we have these these arms, right? And they're still going to count Matt Harvey in that in that group that they have, right? We should compete, to try to compete, or we should try to build something around these starters um, and cross our fingers and, and hopefully have them all healthy at the same time at some point. Um, especially since now it's it's so much easier to to sneak into a wild card spot if you have a contending team. I mean, look at the American League; you have so many kind of uh, mediocre teams fighting each other out for a, for a final playoff spot. Teams who had no real intention of of contending, not, not only in April, but even a month ago. You know, even even at the All-Star break, the Twins were about to sell off pieces, and they're still contending. So um, you, you can see a spot now, and nationally it's kind of different, but it's still the same concept. And the Mets still have this, you know, the stable, if if all the horses have shoes on or whatever, you know, to, they can all run at the same time. So I think they're going to try to contend next year for sure. Um, and I think they want Matt Harvey to be a big part of that. I think Matt Harvey wants to be a big part of that. And I think they're going to give him every opportunity to be a big part of that. Um, I think the same could be said about Rafael Montero. The only thing I've learned over the past few years is that they're they're always going to give him a chance in some way, shape, or form. Rafael Montero is going to get a chance. And there's always going to be a scenario where he ends up, you know, getting a chance at the major league level. It seems like he, he always does. Um, so I think they're all going to be in the mix. Um, I, I think injuries are going to play a part of it as, as they did this year. Um, and I, I don't think the Mets are going to 
take Matt Harvey, who still isn't, you know, with so many injuries, right? You have to hold on to your options, basically, right? And keep the, <laughs> give yourself as many options as you can, or you end up, you know, with a patched up roster like you had this year. Absolutely. Um, so and, and, and I'll tell you what. And I'll tell you what. I mean, look, if you, if you, and I think Syndergaard again, I mean, you don't want to speculate on injuries because everything's gone there against the Mets. But Syndergaard and DeGrom, a healthy Syndergaard, even if he decides, you know, I'm not going to throw 100 miles an hour on every pitch, and maybe he shouldn't, uh, that's a pretty good one, too. You don't just find that anywhere. And right. I guess the fans have to get over. I mean, the front office will. The idea that they're going to have one through five, a guy who can be a one or two in terms of the rotation pecking order, that's probably not going to happen. And it was probably unrealistic to think everybody would develop like that. They were very fortunate. Syndergaard came up, really had no blips in the road. Uh, DeGrom came up, uh, yeah, injuries, but really no blips in the road. Same thing with Matt. He pitched pretty well from day one. Now you got guys like Chris Flexen coming up who haven't pitched much over uh, high A and say, well, he's getting rocked. Well, that's usually normal. I mean, I made a, a comment yesterday. I mean, if you look at Ryan Dempster, he was a pretty solid pitcher. He came up in 98. He got clobbered early in his career when he was at a bad Marlins team. Guys come up, they get hit hard uh, early on. Not everybody comes up like Matt Harvey, uh, like like DeGrom, like Syndergaard. And, and Montero, I guess, falls into that because, and I've been in, uh, in this camp, you were looking to see can you get him off the roster, the 40-man, and, and move on because he looks so bad. But – it takes certain pitchers longer than others. If you could get someone who's above league average, six innings, three runs, put together a decent bullpen for a change, I think they've kind of figured out, and I think in this day and age, you can put together decent offense. Everyone seems to have a halfway decent offense. You should be able to compete and win. It's, 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 it's easier said than done, but you know this is not like a complete trash rebuild when you talk about the pitching staff, even with the issues and the problems. And frankly, I think they're gonna they're gonna probably go out and try to play for a starter, and probably not like a top line starter, but a veteran starter who can kind of eat up innings or at least give you some stability at the back end of that rotation. Somebody without an injury history, maybe if they can find that. Um, but I think what what this team what, what became very apparent that this, this team um, struggled with this season was uh, they didn't have a Bartolo Colon type back there. You know, I mean, I know Bartolo wasn't. You know, he, he left and he wasn't very good this year. But last year they had a guy back there who went out. He was durable. He went out every five days. Uh, he won a few games for you. He really provided some stability back in there. And he made it so that if the Mets had injuries last year, they wouldn't have to go down to single A to replace somebody in their rotation or, or you know, or high A or, or whatever it might be, right? Um, there are a lot of those kind of buy-low veterans that are going to be free agents next year. Uh, or this winter, that I think the Mets probably will target to kind of just bring some major league stability to that rotation, just in case, you know, there are 12 injuries like there were this year, or just in case one of the aces goes down, or this happens, or whatever. That's kind of insurance plans and contingency plans so that this doesn't happen again. Um, and just looking looking down the free agent list, there are some intriguing names on there. You know, Marco Estrada is probably a buy-low option. Uh, that you can get some good value for. Uh, Scott Feldman is going to be an option. You know, these, these are older guys without really power stuff, um, but they're veterans, and they know how to get outs in the big leagues. Um, and there are a few guys like that. Even John Lackey will probably be available. Bartolo Colon will be. I mean, look, I know you laugh, and I laugh too. I mean, his peripherals 
uh, are not great, but they're not that far off from even I'm talking about his Minnesota numbers from where they would have been last year with the Mets. He's always going to give up way more hits than innings. He's in the American League. He doesn't have the pitcher to pitch to. He's got a 4.09 ERA. I know it plays more if you look at his uh, his FIP a little bit over five, but the strikeouts are pretty much the same. The walks are back down to being where you would expect him to be. His walk rate was way high in Atlanta, and I, I didn't watch him enough other than when he pitched against the Mets. He was actually pretty good against the Mets earlier this year. Maybe pitching in that ballpark that's a bit of a launching pad spooked him a little bit. But, um, you know, there's an option. I mean, not a great one uh, if that's the only option you have, a 44-, 45-year-old pitcher. But he's got some karma here. The pitchers like him. And, and you know what? That's that. There's something to be said there. So maybe that's one of the options out there. And not the first one I would go to, but you could even do that because you might need more than just one Estrada, Cobb, you know, a low by low and hope they, you know, younger guy that turns it around. You might need a veteran. They didn't do that this year. Um, and they probably should have. You might. I mean, look at the Braves. They, they got Bartolo, and then they went and got Ari Dickey as well. It's sure. kind of filled that same role. And the Braves aren't, you know, they aren't lighting anything up this season, but they, you know, one of those guys lasted the whole year and got them through the whole season. You know, Dickey's been pitching pretty well for them, and he doesn't it's really show any signs of slowing down. One, Bartolo didn't work out, but they had another guy there. And, you know, you need pitchers just to get through a season, um, especially when you're a team like, like the Braves are where you try to play some of these prospects at the major league level and try to get them accustomed to it. Um, you know, the Mets are in that same position now. They're in that same boat now. And you still need pitches to get you through a season. Um, that's why I think the Mets are going to probably focus on the, the bullpen, as they have been over the past few months, and also that rotation where they, they, they just need some insurance there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I have with me Joe Trez, uh, MLB.com. Uh, joining me. Hey, another thing that the Mets have been doing, not just with the uh, the pitching staff, with the positional players to see who's the solution. And I got to tell you, you know, Rosario's shown some flashes. I know Dominic Smith is starting to pick it up a little bit. He had a, a decent weekend in Houston. Everybody's concerned, of course, about his weight. But other than that, I mean, there's a lot of backups on these young players. I mean, Ploiecki, we'll see. He's looked a little bit better since he came back up. Sacchini, uh, they, they, they don't seem to be really into him all that much. Matt Reynolds, to me, is a backup. Brandon Nimmo, nice at-bats, a backup. There's not a lot here. Uh, they're going to have to go out and, and, if not, bring back some of the guys they traded, if that's what they're looking to do, like a Jay Bruce, maybe Neil Walker. Uh, they, they don't have solutions for, in my opinion, starting positions with what, they, what, what at least we've seen so far from the young players that have been playing probably now about two weeks. Isn't it funny that Wilma Flores ended up being probably one of the best regulars out of yeah. this whole, yeah, this whole group? Doesn't you know, have a position. Was, they don't have a D. If they had a DH, then he's solid. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, he really doesn't. He's really bad defensively. I mean, he cannot play third base. Uh, I don't think people realize how but, bad. I mean, but, I think they do. He can hit. Yeah, yeah, he can hit. Yeah. And, and you look at him against a, you know, compared to a guy like Matt Reynolds and a guy like Pulecki, and you realize he really can hit. And uh, he has and runs, and he's productive in a way that I, I think the Mets kind of knew he was going to be at some point, or hoped he was going to be as as early as two, three years ago. But I don't know if the public really saw that in him. As and he's really turned into a pretty solid regular. But I think you're right, mostly about, um, um, about the other guys being mostly backups. Uh, I think um, I think Nimmo looks like a fourth outfielder for the most part. He'll get a solid one. He'll give you good at bats and whatnot. 
uh, I think they need to get some more get some more reps in uh, under the Garris a little bit. Um, I think they need to see what really he can give you, you know, over an extended period of time. He hasn't really played that much in the last two years at all. Um, right. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Besides that, I mean, they really focused on Smith and and Rosario at this point. And listen, with Flores uh, coming into Labor Day here, he's actually got a 7.65 OPS against right-handers. He's a little bit above league average against right-handers. That was something that historically was an issue. And I'm going to go that back. That was totally 20... overblown last year. Uh, let that me look totally at 2015. Overblown. You're probably right. 2015, though, he played every day at short, and he was he had a 6.37 OPS. He had 2.51. Uh, but again, younger player playing a position that he clearly wasn't comfortable at. i got to give Flores credit on something here. I know he came up as a shortstop. That was a tough task to ask him to do a couple of years ago, and they got to the World Series with probably the worst up-the-middle defense you may have ever seen with Ian Murphy. Um, and then they jumped him around last year as a backup. That probably was another adjustment. you got a situation here where if you do give up on him, and I don't think that's what they're going to do, uh, he goes somewhere else. He's a guy who might hit 25 home runs, driving 90 runs, playing, I don't know, first base, maybe third base if they can tolerate. I don't know. Is he fixable a third, Joe? I mean, the footwork is bad. That's the issue. The throws are bad because the footwork is bad. Is it – and we don't know the answer, but is it a confidence thing because he's not really getting a lot of reps and he's rushing to throw, or can he not play it? His footwork was bad at short, which makes me wonder if it's more – it's really not in his DNA to play – the left side of the infield. That's really the issue. The bat, I think, at this point, I think we could all pencil him in for 20 home runs and 75 RBIs if he played semi-regularly. I think you and I both could agree on that. Absolutely, and he's. And I certainly think that he's serviceable at any of these, you know, except shortstop, really, at these positions for short periods of time, serviceable enough to play because the bat's going to play, basically. You know, and I think that's what the Mets like to do with him is they kind of like plug him in wherever they need him for a short period of time. And I think there you, with that strategy, you can hide him enough to where that bat's going to play. I mean, look, he's not the worst fielder to ever put on a glove, and he's, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty productive hitter. He's productive enough that you need him in the lineup, especially on a team like this. So, but I think you're right. At, on another team, at some point, he's going to hit 25 home runs and drive in 90 runs. Um, and we have to look back at those numbers from a few years ago when he, when he was tough against righties and all this stuff. Um, so he was 23 years old, and he was playing shortstop, and and the whole city wanted him off. You know, they wanted him off the team, and sure. there was a lot going on at that point, right? And he had some big, big hits that year, to where like sometimes you can't just look at a 23 year old's overall OPS against righties in his for second or third season or whatever. Well, I think it was his first or second, you know, full year. Um, he was still growing. He was still developing. He was growing as a hitter, and then the next year. Uh, he had like 40 bad at-bats against righties to start the season in April, and he didn't face righties for the rest of the year. And, the, the, you know, the book was that he can't hit righties. Well, I mean, I, I realize the team just went to the World Series and there was a lot of expectations and whatnot, but Flores was getting better. He was getting better for a while. And then he kind of got this reputation that he couldn't do this one thing. And I think that kind of limited him um, in, in an unfair way. And if you ask him, he'll say the same thing. If I can hit righties, I can hit righties just fine. You know, he had a grand slam off a righty the other day in Houston. I mean, he can do it if he gets a chance. And with young players, sometimes we're so obsessed with splits and platoons and all this and versatility that sometimes you don't let somebody grow and really reach their full potential. 
I think he's proven that he could be adequate against right-handed pitching. And most decent right-handed hitters are adequate against right-handed pitching and crush lefties. I mean, look at David Wright. That was always the book on him. Um, right. Obviously, David Wright was more of a talented hitter, but it's just, you know, it's just a similar example. I mean, um, I think Flores has exceeded many, many expectations over the last few years here. And I think he has a lot to be proud of. And um, he's not, a, you know, he's a fan favorite because of the crying and all that, but he's really developed into an underrated player as well. Are there uh, some things you're looking for in September? Are there players, maybe uh, more uh, uh, young players coming up? I know there's some talk of Thomas Nitto, the catcher in Binghamton, the young catcher coming up. Defensively seems to have uh, some good reports, still learning how to hit. Um, there's talk, you know, maybe of them bringing up uh, one or two other guys. Uh, I'm not sure right now with the 40-man where the plan is. But uh, what are you looking for the rest of the season? What are some of the things that you'd like to see other than the obvious, I guess, of what we've just talked about? I just want to see Syndergaard throw the baseball. Um, I want to see Syndergaard throw and have his arms stay on and have his lats stay on. And, and I wanted to see if he comes, how he comes back from an injury that I mean, we, we talk about confidence in pitchers and Matt Harvey throwing with confidence or whatnot. You know, there is something to be said about the last time you threw a ball as hard as you could part of your back fell off and now you have to go on the mound and do it again. You know, there's something sure. about the mental approach to that where like, I want to really see how he responds to that because again, his whole persona, the reason he's successful is because he's tenacious and because he pitches without fear and without regard for his body and all this stuff. And now he kind of has to regard it a little bit, you know, now he has to kind of pull in the reins a little bit. And I, I'm not saying he's not going to pitch at a hundred percent, but there's a mental block there sometimes that says, okay, I can't hurt myself again. And that's totally normal. That's totally human. Um, a lot of these athletes, are, often they have these blinders on where they, they, they don't think anything can happen to them, and then something does, right? And then they come back, and they're kind of, they're kind of changed mentally sometimes for good reason. So I'm going to focus on Syndergaard. I think it's actually good for him that these games – are kind of low pressure, low risk when he when he comes back. You know, there's nothing on the line. He's not thrown into a playoff race. He can just pitch, and I think Harvey's going to benefit from that as well going forward. These guys can just pitch, and it can kind of be like a like a spring training type thing where the games don't really matter. Just get your reps in. Just get just become yourself again, um, and it's a perfect little laboratory setting for that to happen before the off season. I mean, maybe they get a taste of success and they go into the offseason feeling good and feeling confident again and they come back as the pitchers that they were. I mean, I think that's what the Mets are really hoping for. And I think that's what's most important for them going forward. Last thing, uh, early uh, odds. I mean, who are you looking to manage this team? I mean, do you do you think they'll do a purge? I think they're going to purge the coaching staff as well. I think they have to if they bring in a new manager. Maybe Kevin Long sticks around. Uh, I know Dick Scott's, if he if rumors that he could be the manager, I, I don't know if they would go that route with somebody who's on this staff. Um, but I find it hard to believe a second time you bring a manager in and you're going to keep – I mean, they kept Worthen with uh, with Collins. I find it hard to believe you can do that. That's just so odd to see that uh, over an extended period of time. Uh, or do you want to keep the band together? I mean, where, where do you f- uh, fit into all this? Because historically – uh, they're going to give up probably some of the most runs in team history, uh, probably top five or six this season, uh, understanding the injuries. But uh, this has been a historically bad drop from 15 and 16, especially on the pitching-wise uh, front. Right. Well, well, I mean, they've, they've had different pitchers. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's yeah. like kind of an unfair comparison because they've had such a different, different 
players, you know, different pitchers pitching for them. But to answer your question, I think, um, you know, I think, I think Dick Scott's going to get an interview. I think, I think Bob Guerin's going to get a shot. Um, he could very well see him come back here um, and be the manager. He's very well regarded and very conscientious and very in tune with all the new age stats. And really he's learned from Dave Roberts over there a lot. And um, yeah, I think he's a pretty viable candidate and I think they like him and they want to give him a chance at it. Um, you know, and for, for what happens after they, I think whatever happens with coaching staff, they, you know, they, it's going to be figured out after, you know, the manager situation. But um, I, I, I guess that remains to be seen, to be honest. I really don't have a great answer for you there. Um, yeah, but I do think that this hard. season is on, you know, this season is really on the injuries and on the players more than, more than anything else. I mean, you look at, look at Kevin Long, he's, he's very highly regarded as one of the better hitting coaches in baseball with, He's, he's such a track record with little the way the way that he's helped players make little adjustments and become better. I mean, Daniel Murphy, Jay Bruce, you know, he did so much with Bruce this year to him to turn him into a better version of himself um, before the Mets traded him away. It's just it's funny because it seems like he's always making changes to these guys right before the Mets get rid of him. Um, so we don't we always like <laughs> see them happening in real time, but. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that he that he doesn't know what he's doing and, and he's not a good coach. But I mean, look, I don't have a great answer for you. I do think there will be a shakeup, though. That that's the best I could do. What uh, What do you got coming up at MLB.com at Joe Trez on Twitter? What do you got coming up? Yeah, so we're we're getting revved up for the postseason. You know, we're looking at we're watching these races to see how they shake out. Uh, I personally have a, a feature on uh, Dodgers outfielder, shortstop, everything. Uh, Chris Taylor coming up because he totally reinvented his swing in the same vein as Justin Turner kind of uh, kind of took some things from Turner, took some things from Nolan Arenado, and uh, turned himself into a really underrated and really great player this year for a team that's going to go down as probably one of the best in the history of the sport. So um, we have a big thing on him coming up, and uh, then we're just kind of getting ready for the postseason. And, um, you know, we got our eyes on – I know I'm not supposed to say this on this podcast, but we've got to rise on the Yankees a little bit. No, no, that's fine. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> you know? Listen, reality is reality. You know, there's a lot of exciting yeah. things going on. And in 2015, there was a couple of teams, namely the Washington Nationals, that were on the outside looking in that probably didn't want to hear about the Mets run. Let's put it that way. So uh, you have that. So uh, good stuff. Joe, uh, always a pleasure. It's been a while. Let's do this again. Enjoy following you on Twitter. Enjoy your work. And uh, have a happy Labor Day. And uh, let's catch up soon, all righty? Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me, and enjoy the holiday. Appreciate it. All right. Joe Trezza. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Joe Trezza, at Joe Trez on Twitter. Good stuff. Uh, I think in, in a short span of time, we hit on a bunch of stuff. Hey, so I promised everybody a Q&A, like I said in the open. We will do the Q&A. I'm going to split up the shows. It gets a little bit too long. We're going to split up the shows and do – I'll do the Q&A uh, just to give you an idea. Uh, I promised you uh, an update before we uh, logged off here. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, so the Mets schedule. We're going to do the Q&A. The Mets are playing. Uh, we'll probably try to do a Q&A sometime later in the week. Maybe take those questions, pop them up again, and do them on the weekend on Sunday. We'll try to get to that. So I wanted to get Joe on. I thought he had some good uh, takes on Harvey. Wanted to address the Matt Harvey situation kind of more specifically and then move to the Q&A. So things change a little bit, a little bit fluid here. And as I said, we're not playing out the string totally here at the Talking Mets podcast. 
We're trying to continue to give you good content until the end of the year and, and then obviously into the hot stove where things right now will pick up. Of course, I want to thank Joe Trezza. Check him out on Twitter at Joe Trez and on MLB.com. I always want to thank my uh, partners over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. You could send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your Labor Day. Check in later in the week for my Q&A podcast with questions from the MetsmerizedOnline.com community. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.